Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Lake Mount Young Adults Podcast. We are the Young Adults Ministry of Lake Mount Worship Center, and we are on a mission to connect young adults to the life-changing presence of Jesus Christ. We meet every Monday night at 7 p.m., and we'd love to have you join us. You can find more information on our socials, but in the meantime, we hope you enjoy the message for this week. speaker tonight to you all. We have Pastor Becky joining us tonight. Woohoo! Yeah, it's going to be such a good night. For those of you who haven't had the opportunity to meet her, she is our pastor of missions and life groups here at Lake Mount Worship Center. She's a wonderful woman of God. Um, You guys remember Pastor Lisa talking about how community is something we have to fight for. Um, And she's just an incredible woman who helps to create, lead, and equip spaces for people to meet and to have community. She also pours into our missions, our overseas workers, um, and helps them and walks with them alongside their work. So she's amazing. Please join me in welcoming Pastor Becky Lang. Thanks, Jocelyn. Woo! Guys, I'm pumped to be here tonight. I never get to talk on Monday night, so this is a treat. I'm real excited. I'm normally hosting on Sunday mornings or doing stuff behind the scenes, so I get to look at all your beautiful faces and talk about what I'm going to talk about tonight. Are you ready? Who's note taker? A few? Awesome. If you're not a note taker, I'm going to encourage you to be a note taker because it helps us get the word in us, and you never know when you're going to need it, right? That's good. Okay. So I'll give you a little back history on me. Back in the day, I was a part of a big young young adult ministry in Calgary, Alberta. And we would literally see hundreds and hundreds of young adults gather on a Monday night like this, uh, digging into worship, digging into the presence of God. And we would host national conferences and call people to revival and call people to prayer. And we just saw God do incredible things through your generation, and I'm so pumped to see that God's still moving in your generation, that you guys are catching what he's pouring out, that you're carrying a flame. It's not something to take lightly. There's an anointing on you guys to make a difference for the ones that are coming after you, right? So I just applaud you. I'm excited for you. I cheer you on. I know I don't look old, but I am old. (laughs) So I've gone before you. I've run, I keep running my race, but I just want to cheer you guys on as you run as well. Um, I'm married. My husband Tom often plays drums or he's on the connections team or he's mixing and mingling. He's the realtor uh, extraordinaire. I guess we have three beautiful kids. We have 13-year-old twins. They turned 13 June 1st. Guys, they were just babies once upon a time and now they're 13. And then we have a seven-year-old who is spunky and doesn't obey and presses all my buttons, but I love her. She's really sweet. Um, And I've been on staff here at Lake Mount, like Jocelyn said, doing missions and young adults and, well, doing young adults way back in the day, but missions and life groups currently. And I just love any opportunity to talk about Jesus, to talk about discipleship, to talk about community and what it is to live life together. We have a slogan with life groups, it's better together, right? It's always better together than being isolated and being by yourself. And my passion um, really is just to keep keep bringing that bell, banging that drum, because there's so many people who are doing life alone. 
And as disciples of Christ, as followers of Christ, we're called like, to do life together. And so I want to keep calling people into that place. So whether you showed up by yourself tonight or you came with a crew of friends, um, I want you just to lean into what Holy Spirit's stirring in you as I'm speaking tonight. Because there might be stuff coming out of my mouth, but Holy Spirit can be doing work in your heart and in your mind that's deeper than any words that I have to say, right? So we just want to lean in to, what's, to what God's doing. Um, Pastor Lisa asked me to preach last week, which was one of the busiest weeks we've had yet this year. <laughs> and I was like, sure, okay, I'll find time. And so late Wednesday night, I flew to Alberta, and I, as I was on my flight and praying, okay, Lord, what word do you have for Monday? And I woke up Thursday morning, because God's good, and I literally woke up to these words, waiting to be wanted. And so that's the title for my sermon tonight, and you know that's from the Lord. Um, and so we're going to dig into that. I listened to the last couple of weeks of Alia, and the 4 by 7 panel did amazing. You guys did so good. So proud of you leaning on the testimony that God's put inside of you and speaking truth. Um, you guys, your voice rings louder than anybody else's voice. And so like you guys were talking about tonight too, even your testimony is so powerful and so effective. And if this generation can give testimony, you're literally leaving a crazy legacy for everyone else that's coming behind you. My kids are watching you. So how you live your life matters for the next generation. So you got to tell them, right? All right. Let's pray, and then we're going to dig into the word. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're in this place. Father, we just pause for a minute and just recognize that you're here. Lord, I ask that you would open up our ears to hear what your spirit is saying. God, that as your word comes forth tonight, Jesus, I ask that would pierce the darkest places in our heart. God, that you'd reveal truth, that the longing and desires we have would be met in you. God, and we just want to honor you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So I know you've been talking about friendship and community and all that kind of stuff. And there are lots of great examples in the Bible. Pastor Lisa was talking a couple weeks ago about Ruth and Naomi. And that was such a great example of a beautiful friendship. There's also David and Jonathan. Does everybody know David and Jonathan? Yeah. All right. If not, you're going to read that later. Um, there's also Job and his three friends. Do you guys know Job? Yeah. Okay. If not, you're going to read that later. And then there's Jesus and his disciples. And I mean, what better friend is there than Jesus? Am I right? Right. So it's kind of hard to compare any of our earthly friendships to what it is to have friendship with the Lord. But if, we're aren't, if we aren't intentional, we can go through seasons in our relationship with Jesus where we're, uh, we're feeling like good, feeling pretty good, coming to Monday nights, connecting on Sundays, my job's good. There's money in the bank, school's good, feeling great about life. And then there's other moments where we kind of slip into this cycle of feeling disconnected from God or pulling away a little bit. And it's just because we're not being intentional. It doesn't mean that your heart's not there. It doesn't mean that you're not longing to desire a relationship with God. It just means you're not being intentional. And so you kind of have to get yourself back on track. In every season of our life, Jesus desires to be wanted by us. Okay? to be a constant in our life, to be a constant in my life. It's hard. I will tell you right now, when you get married and you have babies and you have a husband or a wife and life is crazy, it's hard to find time to be with Jesus. But he wants to be wanted in every season of our life. And making him a priority is really important. Um, it's where we're going to experience loyalty. We're going to receive love and support, comfort in our grief, 
celebration when stuff is going awesome, where we're going to receive encouragement when we're feeling down. And in talking about friendships and community, this place of belonging, ex- extremely important that we know three things. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Number one, you are loved by God. Everyone say, I am loved by God. Awesome. Number two, you are seen by Jesus. So I am seen by Jesus. Okay, let's try that again. Say, I am seen by Jesus. Okay, and number three, he has a plan and purpose for me. Good job. Pastor Lisa has taught you well. Way to engage. (laughs) So you are loved by God. You are seen by Jesus. And he has a plan and a purpose for your life. So it's really key that in every aspect, whether that's friendships, marriage, community, that you find your identity in these three things. Okay, not what people say about you, not what you're wearing, not what your job is, not what car you're driving, but in these three things. They are basically the basis for not only how we relate to Jesus, but also how we relate to others. If you don't know you're loved by God, you're going to be searching for love in all the wrong places, right? If you know that you're not seen by Jesus, that Jesus is watching over you, he's with you everywhere you go. I tell my children, be careful, your sins will find you out, (laughs) right? If you don't know that you're seen by Jesus, you're going to live your life a certain way in in hiding in darkness and shame, and that he has a plan and purpose for you. You're going to live on mission when when you understand that Jesus has a purpose for you. So God knows our desire to be known. Does everybody in here have a desire to be known? Like you want at least one other person to know your name? Yes, okay. Is there anyone new here tonight? You're brave enough to raise your hand. You're brave enough. Is Maddie, right? Yeah, everybody, this is my friend Maddie. (laughs) Welcome. All right, so Maddie even desires to be known, and now you are. (laughs) Sorry, totally embarrassing you. Um, to be known and loved. So he made us for companionship. He made us for community. You guys have been talking about this. He's made us for friendship. And we all desire, every single one of us, desire to have meaningful connections with others. But our friendship with Jesus needs to be the most important. Do you agree? The most important. So we can agree with our mouth, but sometimes our experience is different, right? We know Jesus needs to be our everything, but how do we get there? How does that happen? Is having Jesus' affection and attention enough for you, or are you looking to other people to satisfy and fill the longing of your heart? So this is something that I've recently been challenged with. Is is Jesus' affection enough for me, his attention for me, or am I feeling, you know, left out because I don't have ten best friends? Or, you know, Tom and I have a disagreement about something. Or something's not going the way I want it to. Is Jesus enough for me? Or am I searching for something in all the wrong places, right? In both the Old and New Testament, the idea of friends and friendship involve three components. Note takers, are you ready? Three components. Association, loyalty, and affection. So the idea of friends and friendship involve those three things, association, loyalty, and affection. And there are also three levels of meaning to the word friend. So my friendship with Lewis is different than my friendship with Curtis, which is different than my friendship with Pastor Lisa, which is different than my friendship with my husband, which is different than my friendship with Jesus, right? So you, there are different levels to friendship. So friends, the first one is friendship as association only. So I just know Maddie. I just met her tonight. So I just associate with Maddie. 
All right. Then there's friendship as association plus loyalty. Okay, so I know someone, but I'm also loyal to that person. And I hope that everybody's experiencing that in friendships and relationships. And then and as you add to that, you have friendship uh, with association plus loyalty plus affection. Okay, and so that's taking it to another level. And I know everybody's in here like, yes, affection. <laughs> I want to experience friendship with affection. It's not friendship with benefits. All right? Friendship <laughs> with loyalty, friendship with affection. <laughs> All right. So at the lowest level, it's simply someone you associate with, okay? But when you add loyalty, you get what Proverbs 18.24 talks about. And it says, a friend that is closer than any brother. And I don't know what your family relationships are like, whether you get along with your brother or sister or what that looks like for you. But to know godly relationship, whether that's with other brothers and sisters in Christ or with Jesus or your spouse, is to know um, what it is to have this, this friend that's closer than a brother. Similar to um, kind of if we look at Jonathan and David's life, right? Jonathan was King Saul's son, but Jonathan loved David to the point of saying, I'm going to give up my, my place and my right to the throne so I can protect, protect David. At the highest level, there is potential for us to be friends with Jesus, and he's the closest relationship you have the potential of experiencing. Isn't that crazy? Closer than a spouse is a higher level of knowing relationship with Jesus. And that friendship is more than a human relationship with Jesus, okay, like how you and I relate to each other. It goes beyond that. It's spiritual, where Jesus sees everything about us. He gets into our hearts. He gets into our minds. There's no place that's hidden from him, right? So Jesus is closer than a sibling, a best friend, or even a spouse. And he literally was willing to lay down his life for you. So there's very few people in this world who'd be willing to lay down their life for you, right? Maybe your mom. I'd be willing to lay down my life for my kids. <laughs> Maybe your mom. Go moms. Um, but Jesus literally literally knew that you guys would be sitting in this room right now and said, I want to have, I want them to have the opportunity to know me. I want them to have the opportunity to walk in fellowship with me, to see the kingdom of God come to earth. And so he laid down his life for us. Who loves a good hymn? Everyone? Yeah, old school. Okay. So there's an old song called What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Does anyone know this? Yeah, your grandma used to sing it for you? Okay. Phil knows it, so that's all that matters. Okay, so I'm going to tell you a little story. Are you ready? So Joseph Scriven was born in Ireland in 1819, and he wrote this song. After graduating with a teaching degree from Trinity College in London, he fell in love and made plans to marry and settle down. It was not to be. The day before the wedding, his fiancée drowned in a terrible accident. Horrible horrible. Okay. Devastated, Joseph left Ireland and moved to Canada, where he became a private tutor. Eventually, he fell in love with another young woman and asked her to marry him. But just weeks before their wedding, this is horrible, she contracted pneumonia and died. Uh, poor guy. Okay. So the shattered man took a vow of poverty, sold all of his worldly possessions, and dedicated the remainder of his life to help those who were weak, sick, and impoverished. A few years later, Joseph received word that his mother had fallen ill and was dying. 
Because, I know, such a rough life. Because of his vow of poverty, he did not have the money to go back to Scotland to care for her. Heartbroken, he wrote about his only comfort in a poem that was later put to music. Two decades later, the American evangelist, Dwight L. Moody, came across the song and was so touched by the words that he gave it to a national platform. What a Friend We Have in Jesus is now regarded as one of the most well-known and loved hymns of the Christian faith. Joseph Scriven did not live to see the impact made by the song born out of his grief. Ironically, he drowned in a Canadian lake at the age of 66. So I'll take a minute to remember Joseph Scriven. (laughs) Throughout the course of his life, Joseph learned where lasting comfort comes from. It doesn't come from denying the grief and self-soothing with things that numb the pain and add layers of complication to the healing process, okay? I know it was kind of funny, but I hope you hear that. Lasting comfort comes from investing in a friendship with God who promises not that he will keep us from experiencing tragic losses, but that he will sit with us in our grief. He will sit with us in our sorrow so that we won't be alone. So my friend Joey is going to throw the lyrics. Oh, what? Well, I'm not going to sing it. (laughs) All right. So what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee. Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou will find a solace there. Okay. So for a man who experienced such tragedy, such loss, such sorrow, to be able to pen a poem like this, right, a song that brings so much truth to who he knew Jesus to be to him in the midst of his pain, in the midst of his suffering. And I know there's a lot of you out there who are very talented writers. You probably have journals full of poems and written hundreds and hundreds of songs. But that is the safest place to process what you're doing and what's going on inside of you with Jesus. There's nothing like having him as your friend. In my life, in my friendships, even in my marriage, I've kind of said this before, Jesus is the friend that I know will always be there for me. Guys, life is rough. It does not promise to be easy. There are trials, there's tribulations, there's stuff that's going to happen that you don't even know about yet. This isn't doom and gloom, but I want you to know Jesus is going to be there. I want you to understand that he's going to be the constant in your life, no matter what happens. So if what I'm longing found is force, right, is found in him alone, no matter what's happening around me, I don't waver, okay, because I know that Jesus is enough for me. So I lose my job, I'm not going to waver. We have somebody sick in our family, I'm not going to waver. There's other situations going on in my life, I'm not going to waver, because my hope and my trust is in the Lord. It's in Jesus and who he promises to be. So tonight I want us to dig a little deeper in our desire to know friendship, so association, loyalty, and love with Jesus, what that looks like. Not just say, like, 
Jesus is my friend. It goes beyond that. It's not just an association. Okay, I hope you're hearing that. It's this intimate relationship of what it is to walk with Jesus, to love Jesus as a friend. So I know this is going to spill over into every area of your life. It doesn't just mean now you and Jesus are tight and everything's good and, you know, life's happy. I don't need anybody else. No, we need community. We need people that we belong to. We need to be a part of the local church. Um, but we want to see um, friendship with Jesus and how it's going to affect us to be a better friend to our friends, a better spouse when you get married, um, someone who's going to be a great leader and eventually a great parent because you've laid a foundation where your relationship and your trust is in the Lord. So when you make Jesus a priority, all your earthly relationships will benefit because you have, I have three more points. Are you ready? Okay. Steadfastness confidence, and assurance. So that assurance and that steadfast, that confidence isn't just something that you put on as a show and, you know, fake it till you make it. Like act like I belong here even though I don't feel like I belong here. Does anybody sometimes struggle with that? Like I know this is my place and these are my people, but I don't feel it on the inside, right? But when you make Jesus your friend, like I'm talking about, there, there comes this steadfastness and this confidence and assurance inside of you because you know what it is to be known by him. And nothing can compare to that. No earthly relationship can compare to that. So how freeing would it be to no longer be searching for affirmation, right, or approval, somebody who notice you, notices you when you walk into a room, but knowing, like, I'm just going to carry myself confidently because I know I love, I'm loved by God. I'm seen by Jesus. He has a plan and a purpose for me. And again, I'm not saying that in like, I'm so good. I don't need anybody else, right? But you're living in a testimony of who God's been to you. So many of you have testimonies in this room. And what it is to walk in that testimony, to own that testimony because of what your experience has been in Jesus is only going to draw people to you. But if you're somebody who's not walking in testimony, you haven't had a recent encounter with the Lord and you're just someone who's, you know, kind of complaining all the time or has a lot of drama going on. It's going to be really hard for someone to get excited to hang out with you, right? But living from a place of testimony is going to be attractive to everyone that sees you. So I want you to think about when you were a little kid. Everyone in here was a little kid once upon a time, right? Um, as far back as you can remember. So maybe that's grade one for some of us. It's grade four or five, whatever that looks like. Um, and think about starting a new school, and you don't know anyone. It's the worst feeling on the planet, right? You have your lunch, and you're, like, terrified somebody's going to make fun of you or what you're wearing or someone's going to pick on you. I had a little boy in grade five who punched me in the arm every single day, and I would cry, and I just begged my teacher, don't let me sit beside him, and he think he had a crush on me. I don't know. Is that what boys do? Just punch girls in the arm <laughs> in grade five. I didn't enjoy it regardless. Um, but anyways, you're starting a new school and you don't know anyone. So you sit down at your desk and you're terrified because everybody's eyes are on you and you don't know that you belong and who's going to be your friend. Um, and we've all had those moments of waiting to be wanted. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, somebody who's going to come and say, have lunch with them. Or do you want to play with me at recess? I know there's some of you in here who have, like, wounds because nobody played with you at recess. So, like, 
God wants to bring healing to those moments. Maybe you were picked last for sports team. We all probably had this moment. Let's probably not Matt or Curtis or Lewis. You guys probably all got picked first. Or Megan, let's be honest. <laughs> That's so funny. So we all want someone who's going to notice us and say, come do life with me. Right? So even starting from elementary school on, we're, we have this desire in us for someone that wants us, who wants to be with us. Um, so don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Jesus um, needs us to want him, but he literally desires our friendship. He desires for us to want him. Just as much as we desired that way back when, even now, is sitting right here in this room, we want to be noticed. We want somebody to say, hey, I care about you. I want to go out for coffee with you, whatever. I want to ask you on a date. Who knows? Right? Um, but we so quickly can brush by Jesus and rush into relationships that aren't healthy or seek out things for the wrong reasons to feed some insecurity in our own hearts because we've always been the last to be picked or the one that's never felt like we belong. And so I want to caution you to stay away from that. Don't allow the things of this world, even friendships, to fill things in your heart, voids in your heart that can only be met by Jesus because he's the only one that is going to stick with you, be loyal to you, and walk with you. When we need to make sure, uh, sorry, we need to make sure that the first and foremost, our identity and significance is found in our relationship with him. And it feels so good to be wanted. It feels awesome when you know someone is looking for you in a room or someone sees you across the room and beelines it for you or in the restaurant. They're like, hey. And you're like, oh, yeah, I belong here and I have friends and I'm cool and I fit in, right? As opposed to somebody you know sees you and they're like, <laughs> turn and walk the other way. That's the worst ever. So I will tell you now, if you see any of these sweet faces at Starbucks or wherever you may be at school, on campus, please say hi, right? Just to acknowledge someone's presence is huge. It could be so healing to their heart to say, I notice you. I care about you. I love you. Hey, you were at Elia, right? Like stuff like that matters, matters in life. So do you have this kind of relationship with Jesus, or do you desire greater friendship with him? Um, I will tell you, it ultimately comes through surrender, which is never easy and never feels good, right? Um, as the song says, you know, I bring everything to God in prayer. Everything to God in prayer. So the stuff that you maybe have been, like, stewing about or gossiping about or whatever it might be, maybe it's whatever you've not been praying about, <laughs> that stuff, <laughs> start praying about it, right? So that could be your insecurity, disappointment, um, offense, maybe, so, like maybe a friend's offended you and they didn't know they offended you, could be I've offended you, I apologize, please forgive me, <laughs> right? Those things that we don't know about, um, we need to bring them to the Lord. So know that God is holding your heart and cares for every detail of your life. And it's easy. It's so easy to build a case for ourselves that says, I'm cool by myself. I don't need anyone. I can figure this out. I'm independent. I'm confident. I'm good. Right? But we were created for companionship. We were created for relationship with other people. All right. So Hebrews 6.19 says, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul. And our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. So Jesus is an anchor for my mind when it's wandering, for my will when it wants to do its own thing, for my emotions when they're all out of whack, 
and I'm tossing to and fro, Jesus is the anchor for my soul. And so when you have friendship, intimate relationship with him, you're anchored. You're not someone who's unstable. You're someone who's going to go the distance, who has longevity in their relationship with the Lord. So God has some incredible relationships for you. Some of my best friends are working at this church. They're amazing people. Pastor Lisa is my best friend. So I'm a blessed woman. Um, but some of our best relationships are going to come once we've allowed Holy Spirit to heal our heart. Once we've allowed Jesus to come in and to carry, to carry away our burdens, carry away the stuff that we're fighting through. Surrender happens every day by spending time with him, including him in what's happening in your heart and mind, worshiping him and reading the word. Constantly, every single day, I have to surrender. The things that I get stressed about, the things that don't make me happy, I have to keep surrendering to the Lord so no bitter root can grow up in my heart. Bitterness is like the ugliest weed that spreads so fast, and it doesn't just affect you. It affects everyone around you. It can shift the atmosphere if you're not careful. So you want to guard your heart, guard your mind. He's going to start building your life in ways that you can never have done in your own strength, in your own effort. And I think we probably have all tried at some level, right, to figure things out on our own. But what it is to, like, Jesus, I just surrender, and I want to know fellowship. I want to know friendship with you. There's also faithfulness and loyalty that begins to be established in you as you commit your ways to the Lord. And so for me, I've always wanted to be somebody who can be dependable, somebody who can be faithful, someone who's loyal. But that just doesn't just happen by accident, right? It happens because I got close to someone who's faithful, someone who's dependable, someone who's loyal. And so that has become fruit in my life, I hope. That, and the more and more I grow in relationship with Jesus, that will continue to be reproduced. Psalm 37, verse 5 to 7 says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. So there is flourishing and well-being that God will give us in accordance with our faithful reliance on him. Okay? Did you hear that? There is flourishing and there's well-being that we'll experience because our faith is in God. Our trust, our hope is in who Jesus is. Not in what's happening around us. Not in my friend who didn't call me the other day to tell me about so-and-so. My faith and my trust is in the Lord. So the results, this also results in his favor on our lives that will bless us and deliver us. Deliver us. So in moments, you know, again, where you're praying for that job or you're praying for that um, scholarship for school or praying to get on that sports team or praying for your spouse, there's going to be favor on your life because God knows your heart is loyal to him. You're depending on him. You're trusting in him and not seeking out the wrong things. It's, again, not a good, uh, sorry, it's not because of how good we are, but because of his righteousness and his justice in our life. So practically, what does this look like, right? Okay, these are, this is all good, but practically, how do we do this? Um, becoming a person who's stable and trustworthy that other people can count on and look to. Um, it, it literally is getting close to Jesus. I will keep saying it over and over again. But people are going to gravitate to you because of your steadfastness. And when you think about Jesus, he didn't just walk around saying, hey, do you want to be my friend? Right? He wasn't like the desperate guy in the back of the room who was like trying to butt his 
but his way into every conversation or be the funny guy with all the jokes and character and charisma. He literally said, hey, guys, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Okay? So he was on purpose. He was on mission. He was about his father's business. And he literally said, come do what I'm doing. Come hang out with me. So it wasn't out of this place of, like, I need to be needed and wanted and whatever. I need friends. I need to be in the boat with these guys while they're catching fish. It was literally like, I'm up to something. Why don't you come do it with me? And we'll see what happens along the way, right? So in friendship with Jesus, we were about his father's business, about Jesus' business, living on mission and purpose. You're someone other people can follow and join in what God is doing and building because you're getting close to his heart and you're going to see what he wants you to do. If we're always someone who has, again, a lot of drama um, or needs a lot of attention from others, it's going to be really hard for other people to want to be around you because no one can rescue you. Um, but you can only get that from Jesus. And as our confidence in our relationship with Christ grows, we begin to live out of our identity in him. You get to know, I'm a friend of Jesus. So you're going to carry yourself that way. You're going to start to live that way. You're going to start talking better about yourself. You're going to start thinking better about yourself. Literally, that, that tape that plays in your head over and over again is going to start to change because you understand who Christ calls you. Um, even in dating and marriage, our relationship with the Lord should fulfill us more than any human. Okay? I will be 100% honest. My relationship with Jesus fulfills me more than my human marriage. Right? And that's the way it should be. I should, we should both love God more than we love each other. Right? And that's the kind of person you're looking for. Someone who loves Jesus more than they love you. And growing together in relationship is only going to make you stronger. So we can't build what God is building if we don't know God as our friend. And it's friendship and int intimacy with him that enables us to step into the fullness, the fullness that he has for us. And we, he begins to reveal his heart. We can try so hard to hustle and be busy for God. I know there's lots of us in here are like people pleasers, right? Trying to do the wrong thing, get the good grade. Not trying not to do the wrong thing. <laughs> trying to do the wrong thing. Don't do that. Trying not to do the wrong thing. Get the good grades. Make your parents happy. Um, all of that kind of stuff that we look at as success, right? But he's always calling us to this place of intimacy so that whatever we do flows from that place and not our own strength. Always. When I was a young adult, I went to go visit um, my friend, and he, her, his grandma was visiting at the time. And she had been a pastor for many years. She was older. She was maybe, like, in her 80s. Um, pastor for many years, missionary most of her life. And I'll never forget, I was terrified. But she looked at me, and she said, what do you think the goal of your life is? And I'm like, okay, I got this. I can give you a really good, like, Jesus answer. So I said, to win souls, of course, right? To, like, tell people about Jesus. And she said, no. It's to know Jesus better. So for me, that was such a profound moment because this lady who's lived her life serving Jesus, who's lived her life all over the world serving other people, telling people about God, caring for people, understood and recognized that nothing was more important than her relationship with Jesus and getting to know Jesus. And that's rocked me ever since. I'll never forget that conversation because there's a maturity that she brought to my perspective of what it is to walk with him. Um, I thought it was a good goal <laughs> to win lots of souls, but apparently not. <laughs> 
It just happens naturally, right? Because you're in close relationship with Jesus. So maybe you become used to doing it on your own. Human relationships are hard. They're not easy. People are complicated, right? They're hard. And you think um, friendship with God is going to be even harder. It's not true. It's what the enemy would want to tell us. It's what he'd want us to believe. He'd want to keep us isolated and alone. Um, independence, our independence can be even become an idol in our own lives, right? Where we try to protect our own heart. We don't want to get hurt. We don't want to experience pain. Um, so we're even not even going to let Jesus in to, to see what's really going on inside of us. Um, but my question is, how can he be be your friend if you're let, afraid to let him see your pain, right? We, we need people who will sit with us in our pain, sit with us in our suffering, be with us in those highs and those lows, not just the good times, but the hard times as well, when we need that friendship. But we have to position ourselves to be near him. And that comes constantly every single day because you don't know when crisis is going to hit. You don't know when suffering and pain is going to come, right? And so to know that intimacy with him in that moment is really powerful. Literally picture yourself, wherever Jesus is right now to you, <laughs> picture yourself just moving closer to him. So if he's like sitting on the other side of the room, picture yourself getting up and going to sit beside him. Literally have to picture yourself getting closer to him. All right. In our friendships, not everyone gets the intimate details of our life, or they shouldn't. Haha. <laughs> right? <laughs> I say that with fear and trembling. I hope you're not sharing every intimate detail of your life with everyone in your life. That should just be basic friendship 101. Okay, good. <laughs> so it's not wisdom to share all those intimate details with everyone you meet. It takes time, right? It takes proven faithfulness and trustworthiness before you can go, before you can start to let people into that place in your heart. Um, and the people you share with are those you've built a, founda a foundation of trust with over time. So, again, it doesn't happen overnight. So tonight you could meet someone and be like, they were awesome. They're my friend. And then you're texting them all night with every detail of your life. Don't do it. They will not <laughs> respond. To you. They will ghost you. <laughs> right? So it takes time to build that relationship. It takes time to build that trust. Even Jesus had levels of friendship. Did you guys know this? So his best friend was John. Okay, and then he had three close friends, Peter, James, and John. Then he had the disciples, more, more disciples, including those guys. So there's 12 of them. And then he had even more friends, and then he had even more friends. But Jesus had an intimate group of friends that he started with. And I want to take a minute and talk about John really quickly because he called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. Right? Do you talk about yourself that way? <laughs> I am Elliot. The disciple that Jesus loved. You probably do. <laughs> we all love you, Elliot. <laughs> so I find that kind of funny. But to be honest, to say that of yourself means that he understood his close closeness and relationship to the Lord, to Jesus. He had such confidence in his friendship with God that he, he had no problem saying, I'm his best friend. Right? Like, he, he loves me. He... He um, is my closest friend. So John also taught us about love. I don't think that's a mistake in his book. And then he went on later to receive Revelation. So the book of Revelations, which are the great secrets and mystery, the unveiling of Jesus. So you can see in the intimacy of that relationship that John had with Jesus, 
Jesus began to unfold more of his heart, began to reveal more of himself. So as we draw closer to God, not just association, right? But as I step into intimacy with Jesus, he's going to start revealing more of himself to me. And that's going to just create longing and hunger and appetite to know him more. In John 15, 14 to 17, John recorded Jesus saying, You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants because the servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask for in my name. This is my command. Love each other. If we were just God's servants, we would simply just be doing what our master is telling us, right? We'd simply just be obeying because that's what's expected um, and not understanding the purpose of why we're doing what we're doing. But Jesus takes us into this place of friendship with him, right? And into his confidence, and he's trusting with, his pur- with us with his purpose. He's trusting you and me with his purposes and his plans. Um, another great example is Abraham. He was the first person in the Bible to be called a friend of God. And I think that's so cool. I really hope that's how God talks about me. Becky's my friend. That would be awesome. Um, he didn't have the Holy Spirit, okay? He didn't have the word of God. All he had was relationship with him. And he chose to believe God no matter what it cost him. Okay, so even when he was asked to sacrifice his son, Abraham didn't question God. He was willing to lay everything down, and God saw his heart. So he knew, he knew God was the goal. He knew having a relationship with Jesus was the most important thing, that everything else didn't matter, even his own son, he was willing to lay down. His faith pleased God so much, and God intervened in the final moment. And so I think that's what God's looking for. He's looking for our heart. He's looking for our obedience. He's looking for our faithfulness. But again, we're only going to give that to him if we know intimacy and relationship with him. Um, Abraham's faith pleased God, and God intervened in the final moment. Faith expressed in obedience says, God, I trust you without question. I trust you without question. So maybe right now you're in this season of finishing a year of school, and you're like, I don't know what's going to happen in September. Am I supposed to go back into my program? Am I supposed to quit school? Am I supposed to get a job? Am I supposed to go travel? Am I supposed to go do the internship? Okay. What? Is that like the secret word of the night? That would be awesome. You should have a secret word of the night. And then anytime somebody says it, everybody screams, what? Okay. Internship. (laughs) Okay. So maybe you're in this place of questioning, okay, God, what's next? And he's saying, I want you to lay aside a season of your life and devote it to growing in relationship with me. And you're like, but I have to get a degree. Or I have to do this because my parents are expecting it of me. Or how am I going to pay for it, right? But he's looking for obedience. He's looking for, are you willing to surrender your reputation, what everybody thinks about you, right, to pursue to pursue me? I would say being in obedience with God matters for the next generation, So your obedience right now in this moment matters for your kids. I know that sounds weird for me to say to you at this stage in your life, but I'm just telling you my obedience now matters for my kids. And so you get to a place where you stop living life for yourself and realize it's for the ones who are coming after you 
that is making the difference. Genesis 15, 5 to 6, God tells Abraham that his offspring will be as numerous as the stars. And then it says, Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. God could trust Abraham's heart that he would, wouldn't doubt no matter how long it took. And God doesn't just share the secrets of his heart with everyone. It's not that God doesn't love us and want to, okay? But it takes time. It takes time and intimacy to keep building that. So are you one that God can trust with his heart? Are you one that he can say, he's my friend? I know that he's going to be faithful and obedient no matter what I ask of him or how, what's going on in his life. I know he's going to come, come to me. It's a massive privilege to know this intimacy with him, and we don't want to treat him too casually. Okay, it's not just like, Jesus is my bud. All right? That's treating him too casually. But to understand the privilege that it is to be in friendship and fellowship with him, it's a privilege. And we don't want to treat it casually. So uh, if we do, we'll miss out on the weightiness of what it means to be his friend. 1 John 2, 3 says, we know that we have come to know him. Okay, know him, not just like head, but heart. If we obey his commands, the man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's, God's love is truly made complete. And our obedience, so my yes to God, expresses my love for him. My no to God expresses my distrust of him. Okay, so my yes, my yeah, God, here I am. What do you need? What do you want? How can I serve you? Expresses my love and my devotion to him. Personally, when it comes to our kids, I know I'm talking about my kids a lot, but I'm a mom, so I can. Um, I don't want them to obey me because they fear me. I can be pretty scary, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> um, but I want them to, uh, I desire for them to obey me because they love me and they want to please me. Right? Again, same in our relationship with Jesus. We don't want to be afraid of God, afraid of Jesus. We want to obey him because we love him so much. He wants a friendship that's deep and intimate where we obey him because we're close to his heart and understand what it means to be near him. So it's not just singing our heart on a worship, although worship was incredible tonight. Shout out to the worship team. Great job. Um, I will say this. It's empty. Our worship is empty if we don't know him in obedience. Okay, so you can sing the songs all you want, confess your love and devotion for him all you want, makes you feel good, right? But if you're not following him daily in sacrifice and obedience, it's empty because there's no follow-through. The Bible even says in Matthew 7, 21, those who say, Lord, Lord, will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So Lord, Lord means intimate relationship, right? Like Jesus, Jesus, or Stephanie, Stephanie, or Curtis, Curtis, whatever. Um, it speaks to that intimacy, but he says, Lord, Lord, will not enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. So you may think you have friendship with Jesus, but he is still in the surface level of association. Okay, he's in the friend zone. We'll call association friend zone. Okay, and when he asks you to surrender, when he asks you to step out in faith, um, he asks you to love the lonely, to come alongside that person who's just sitting by themselves or to buy coffee for that old guy sitting at Starbucks or to surrender um, whatever, your, your need for title or a degree, whatever that might look like. Um, and when he asks you to do those things and you pretend you don't hear him, you just keep doing your own thing, living your own life, 
in verse 23, he'll say, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Even though your heart is to love him, okay, he's your friend. If we don't follow through in obedience, if we don't follow through in sacrifice, it's like we didn't know him. He didn't know us at all, which would be such a sad place to be. So how does it feel when someone tells you they love you to your face but keeps dishonoring you or keeps saying sorry but the heart never changes? Right? It's really hard to trust that person. It's really hard to keep going deeper with them. So every time we do that to Jesus, right, he's always going to be there for us. Like I said, he's waiting to be wanted. But every time we say no to him and do our own thing, it just distances, creates, it creates separation from him and us. It breaks his heart when we don't follow him in obedience. In full obedience, there's no shortcuts. And we know half obedience is disobedience, right? So we can't just like half obey him. We have to fully obey him. Just a quick example, when God asked Saul to kill the Midianites and destroy all their property, Saul only did half of what he was asked by God. Okay, so he killed all the Midianites, but he kept all the animals, and he thought, I'm going to sacrifice these to God, and God will be pleased with that. Is that full obedience or half obedience? Half obedience. So even in doing a spiritual act, okay, being spiritual, he disobeyed, and the outcome of his life went completely off course. It's possible for us to show up every week, even, you know, come and serve or whatever that looks like. Be here every week and do a spiritual act but not follow through in obedience and surrender and making him Lord of every area. So our love for God can only be proved in our obedience. And when you love someone, you don't want to do anything to break their heart or to disappoint them because that sucks. It really sucks. So Jesus is waiting to be wanted. And there's a moment when you move beyond familiar with God to being a friend of God. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. And the more we understand our identity him, it's not about our comfort and our happiness. Literally, Jesus went to the cross for the joy set before him because he knew it was going to please God's heart. Okay? So we live our lives for the joy of knowing what it is to please our best friend, not because it makes us feel good or it's going to make, make us successful. Jesus is literally the only one that could fill the desires of our heart. And I believe that God is going to take us beyond superficial relationships, even here, even in community, even in spiritual community, into deeper friendships as we make him our best friend. Right? Because he's going to fill that longing of your heart. And think about if every person in this room, Jesus is their best friend, how much more are you all going to want to hang out with each other? How much more are you all running the same direction? You're all carrying the same vision and passion when you've all made Jesus your best friend. All right. So I really believe there's going to be a shift that happens in your life because you desire this intimate friendship with God. And then you're not going to be able to help build what he's building and do what he's doing because he's your friend and you want to help him. You want to join him. You want to follow him in whatever he's doing, catching all the fish, catching all the men, whatever that looks like, fishers of men, right? You're going to want to join him in that. I'm going to get you guys to stand, stand to your feet. When we come to God, he literally asks us for everything. And it's hard to surrender everything. It's not easy. It means our friendships, our plans for our life, our time, 
literally the dark places of your heart that are broken and hurting. He's asking you to surrender that to him and let him be a friend to you there, to build friendship with you there. Maybe there's something even that he's been asking of you for a while, but it's really hard to let go, and you're super stubborn, (laughs) right? But what it is to say, Jesus, I trust you. I'm trusting that you are my best friend. I'm trusting that you're my anchor, that you're my source. I'm going to give it all to you. When our vision is literally preoccupied with him, we're consumed by him. We, when we come into this place, when we're in his presence, we stand in awe because we know what it is to fellowship with him at another level where he's not in the friend zone, right? But he's literally the lover of our souls. And so when we come in here, it's not just casual, just to hang out and see who shows up, but it's to stand in awe of a mighty God, to bow low before him, to get close to where he is to literally position ourselves as close as we can to him and so maybe for you tonight that means you got to leave where you are right now okay maybe friends are a distraction for you not that they're bad but you just you need to literally position yourself close to Jesus I'm going to invite you to do that right now you can find a spot in the room but I think for all of us we all just need to step out of this comfort zone of God you I've been associating with you but I haven't really made you my best friend And tonight he's calling you into deeper, deeper relationship with who. In Exodus, it talks about Moses being a friend of God. And at the beginning of Exodus, Moses literally would hide his face because he was afraid. He was afraid to see God. But by the end, by chapter 33, he's crying out to see the face of Jesus. And it says in verse 11, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And tonight Jocelyn was praying in pre-service prayer and I was like, did she look at my sermon notes? Um, But what it is to have a tent of meeting, okay? What it is to get away where you're in a place where you see God face to face. And so I, I know Jesus is drawing you. I can feel him calling you. He's waiting to be wanted by you. And so we're just going to sing this song. And as we do, I just, I'm inviting you guys to surrender. I'm inviting you guys to come and just lay it all before him and give him the first place in your heart. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to worship. Sound good? Thank you, Jesus. You guys can move now even if you want to just get close. Thank you, God. Jesus, I thank you that you desire to be our best friend. I thank you, God, that... In knowing you, in walking in intimate relationship with you, God, it's going to cause us to thrive in every other area of our life. Jesus, and I just ask right now for us to all position our heart a little bit closer to where you are. God, whatever comfort zone we're in right now, whatever um, is running through my mind where we're just, our minds where we're just worried about what other people are going to think or what they're going to say, God, I ask that we'd be brave ones tonight. I ask that our obedience, God, would matter for the next generation, that the things you're going to speak to people's hearts tonight, God, where you're asking for their yes, where you're asking for their surrender, was literally going to change their legacies, literally going to change the course of their family, their destiny, God. And so, Lord, I ask that you just draw people right now closer 
and closer to your heart, Jesus, that we would be like Moses in the tent of meeting, just talking to you face to face. Would you fill us with an awe and a wonder, God, that we would understand the privilege that it is to be called a friend of God, a friend of God. We don't want to be associates anymore, Jesus. We want to know intimacy. We want to understand that every longing of our heart is met in you, to be known fully by you tonight, God. So, Jesus, would you take off every restriction, every boundary that we put around ourselves to protect ourselves, and we just welcome you in right now, Holy Spirit. Would you come and rule and reign in every part of us? In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Lake Mount Young Adults Podcast. For more information, please visit us at lakemount.ca or follow us on Instagram at lakemountya. Have an amazing week, and we hope to see you soon.